You ready for the word today? Yeah. Come on, I want to say welcome to all of our campuses, everybody joining us online at the Correctional Facility, um, everybody later in the week on the app, YouTube, however you're joining us, we're so glad you're with us, and um, ready to get into this. I want to bring a message to you today um, called An Inconvenient Calling, Inconvenient Calling, and um, if you have a Bible with you, Acts 27 um, is where we're going to be, 27-28. Um, Tammy and I were traveling yesterday, coming home from Los Angeles, and um, we really hate that we missed the heat wave here in Virginia. Uh, it was 70s, low 80s, a little breeze in the evening, ate outdoors a lot. It was nice. Um, but we were, we were in L.A., and uh, I was doing some ministry stuff and um, seeing some friends, and so it was a good time. And so we were traveling back yesterday, and I'm always a little nervous traveling back on a Saturday, because uh, especially if I'm preaching on Sunday, um, because um, I don't trust airlines. And, um, and, and so we, we were coming back yesterday, and we left LAX, um, which, that, man, that'll, that'll test your, your Christianity right there, just going through LAX. And so we, we made it through there, and I was still saved after that. And so got on the plane, and we, we made it. We were heading to Detroit, and everything was going good. We're, you know, um, flight was good. All that was easy. Um, then we get to close, and they said, hey, there's going to be a little bit of a delay in landing. Uh, there's a little storm system over the field, and so we're not going to be able to land, so we're going to circle a little bit. I was like, all right, that's not too bad. We got an hour between our layover, between that and getting the DCA, so we got a little layover, a little hour. It won't, won't be too bad. So um, then they said, it's going to be about 30 minutes. I was like, oh, okay, we got about 30 minutes. All right, they're going to close the gate 10 minutes before flight. I got about 20 minutes to make it. I may have to move a little bit, but I'm a fast walker. And um, so then it's like... Uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit longer, so I'm just watching the time, short and short. But my, my gate, if, you know, the gate I got to run is like this long. The time I got to do is about this big now, right? And, um, and so uh, this drives my wife crazy, but as soon as they pull up to the gate, you know, and they put the jetway to the plane and the ding happens, meaning the seatbelt's unbuckled, I'm like, I'm up. <laughs> I'm out. I'm in the bin. I'm getting my stuff down. I'm like, I need to get, I got somewhere to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm that guy. If y'all hate me, I don't care. I'm that guy. Like, I'm just, I'm getting off this plane. And, um, and so anyways, uh, that I, I did that because there's like not much time. And um, I, I, I remember saying A29. We're at A4, babe. We're going to A29. And we have this agreement. I thought we did. That... Um, <laughs> that if there's a, a short turnaround, whoever gets off first just gets there to, you know, to be like, hey, we're, we made it, we're here, don't close the door, my wife's on the way, right? Um, and so we've done this before, right? We've done this before when, when we had kid, we had to get to another flight. So anyways, um, evidently A29 wasn't, wasn't clear coming from me, probably was my fault in communication, it was my fault. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and, my, and my phone um, wasn't working because I missed six calls, evidently. Six calls because A29 wasn't clear. And, um, and so I get, I get to the gate, and uh, they say, oh, the flight crew is delayed. They're coming from another flight that couldn't land, so you're good. And I was like, oh, good. Um, and, until I turn around and I see Tammy walking up. And you've been married so long, you know the face. You know what I'm saying? Like... You've been around that long, you know that look. She comes out, I'm like, hey, baby, it's okay. We're, we're good. We're going to make it home. <laughs> trying to be positive, trying to add a little positive light to the situation at hand. Um, tried to call you six times. I was like, I, I don't have, a, I, I'm like pulling up my recent phone. I'm like, there's no missed calls from Tamara Floyd in, in there. Um, 
But uh, everything was good. Everything was good, and uh, we love each other. We stayed in the same bed last night. It's all good. But it was very inconvenient. The whole situation was very inconvenient. Are y'all following me? Like, the whole thing was very inconvenient, and you can't control weather, and I get all that, but it was inconvenient. How many of you know that, um, that often inconvenience comes when you're trying to, like, get somewhere? Have you ever noticed that, like, you, you got somewhere to be, and then tractor trailer pulls out or something, like, right in front of you? It's like, why'd you pull out? Um, I've never seen you on this road. You're never on my road. Why are you in my neighborhood? Why are you in my neighborhood? You're never in my neighborhood. I need to get out of the house. You're in the neighborhood, right? You, you need to get somewhere. Somebody starts doing the speed limit. Who are you? Why are you doing the speed limit? Like, where did you come from? Are you super Christian? Who are you? Like, why are you doing the speed limit? What is that about? Those signs are recommendations. People, all our law enforcement, I'm joking. God bless you. Pray for you. Safety. Like, why are you doing that? Here, here's what I found out is that is that life can get really inconvenient when you start really pursuing the call of God for you. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that it seems like the moment you decide, you make that decision, I'm going all in. Going all in with Jesus, going all in. I'm, I'm going, I tell you, I'm, I'm going to be at church every Sunday. I'm going to follow what he wants. I'm going to try to, I'm going to go all in with God. It seems like the moment you made that decision, like the fight just intensified. Like, it went from a 1 to a 10, like, overnight. You ever, like, I'm going to go to growth track. I'm going to find out my purpose. I'm getting in a group. I'm going to lead a group. The moment you decide I'm going to lead a group and go to group leader training, it's like, whoa, where did this, like, hell, hell broke loose. Like, what in the world is going on? It's like the moment you begin to pursue the calling that God has for you is the moment that it seems like the battle gets the greatest or the inconveniences become the most in our life. And, and I don't know if you know this, uh, just a time out is that you have a call on your life. I don't know if you know that. I just want you to know that, that, that God didn't make you by accident, that you weren't on the earth just to like Monday through Friday and, and hopefully to make it to retirement one day and then, you know, read the newspaper and, and drink coffee really early in the morning. Are y'all following me? That's not, that's not God's design for you. You have a call on your life. Like you have a calling by God. Matter of fact, I would say this, that you won't really be fulfilled in life until you figure out that calling and then you live out that calling. God has a call on your life. You, you were put here on purpose, for a purpose, and you have a calling. And, and calling, that word isn't reserved for like people that are, that are uh, I hate using this term, I don't even know what it means, professional ministry, like pastors. None of us are professionals. We're all children of God pursuing the call of God on our life. It just looks different for everybody. We're fleshing it out in different ways. And I don't know what your calling is. Maybe it's to lead an organization. Maybe it's to stay at home mom. Maybe it's to uh, go back to school. I don't know what the call of God in this season of your life is, but I do know this is that that is the thing that will bring you the most fulfillment. And you need to know that. And you've got to wrestle that dead ground. You've got to figure that out. Paul told Timothy, you got to work out your salvation, Timothy, with fear and trembling. You got to work it out. This thing's a process. Christianity isn't an event. It's not an event that happens every seven days. It's, it's not, an, I got baptized. I'm, I'm, I'm got baptized. I'm a Christian. I got baptized. No, it's not that event. That's a moment. It's meaningful. It's powerful. You should do it. Give you opportunity next month. It's going to be a great month. You don't want to miss August. We're going to do that. But, but it's not, it's a process. It's a journey. You're walking it out day by day, moment by moment, like figuring this thing out. I had no idea that, that what I'm doing now, I didn't know that 10 years ago. I just, I just responded to the call God had on me then. You know, I, 20 years ago, what God, I just responded to call 17 years old, felt like God wanted me to do a youth event for all my high school friends that were pagans, and 
Jesus had done a work in my life. I was a pagan with them. I was like, they need to get Jesus. Like, I've got Jesus now. Decided to do an event, 17 years old, preached my first message, six minutes. Six minutes, I formed the whole youth event. 12 kids showed up. It was a raging success. But I just did the call God had on me in that moment. I didn't know it'd lead to all this. I didn't know it'd lead to the church and television and call. I didn't know it'd lead to all that. I just following the next thing God had for me. I was just trying to be obedient to do the thing God had had in front of me. I'm just telling you God's got a call on your life. But I don't want you to think that the call of God means that everything goes easy. I, I, don't, I don't want you to be caught off guard when you begin to pursue the call and it gets really inconvenient. I found that it's often more convenient to not pursue the call. That that path seems a lot easier. But when you begin to pursue the thing God has for you, it can begin to get a little bit inconvenient. Oh, there's blessings with it, but I, I don't want you to be misguided to know that there aren't burdens with it as well. That, that there isn't great joy, but I don't want you to be misguided to think that there may not be some moments of pain with it as well. I'm not trying to deter you from pursuing your call. You're like, well, I don't know if I want to go after the call. I mean, you're making it sound so awesome. <laughs> no, I just want you to have your eyes wide open about it. seems like the storm, the inconvenience comes the most. The Apostle Paul knew this in the New Testament. In Acts 27, Paul is on his way. He's pursuing the call of God. He's doing what God has called him to. He's preaching the gospel. He's planting churches. And then he gets arrested Hello, you haven't had that happen to you. You're doing all right. None of you put on your dream team shirt this morning and got pulled over today. Going, oh, you're going to serve? No, you're going to jail. That's where you're going. <laughs> some of you, but it wouldn't be because you're serving. It's just you just recently met Jesus. And you're working some things out, and we get that. That's okay. <laughs> we'll bail you out. But, it, but he's, he's been arrested and he um, appeals to Caesar because he's a Roman citizen. He appeals to Caesar, so he's on his way to Rome. And as he's making his way to Rome, um, the Bible says this in Acts 27. He's in a boat. They're in a very big boat because there is um, about 276 people in this boat. They're all prisoners, and they're on their way to Rome. And verse 13 says this, Acts 27, verse 13. Look at this. It says, um, when a gentle wind began to blow... So I'm going to read of that. When a gentle wind began to blow. Now, watch this. Chapter 27. Y'all with me? Verse 27. Look at this. On the 14th night, we were still, be driven across, still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. So it went from a gentle wind to 14 days of a storm. I wonder if you've ever experienced that. You begin to pursue. Paul's on his way to Rome. He's appealing to Caesar. He's doing the call of God on his life, and a gentle wind comes. Just a little thing. Just like, oh, that, that was a little inconvenient. Oh, that, that was a, oh, that was a big deal, but that was a little bit, right? Then how many of you know, a few verses later, a few moments later, a few days later, now, 14 days, Paul's been in a storm. I wonder if you've ever found yourself going from, that was inconvenient, to that is all hell just broke loose. Like, you went from a gentle wind to a little bit of storm. Some of y'all lived a little bit of life, I can tell. The rest of you, life will throw you some storms where you feel like it may not be 14 days, it may be 14 months. You may felt like it was 14 years that you've been in the middle of a storm that is blowing you all over the place. Talk about inconvenience. 
Talk about being inconvenienced. And Paul's in the middle of this storm, 276 prisoners, because he's following the call of God on his life. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled to think that when you follow the call of God that everything gets easy. Everything does not get easy. It gets fulfilling. It gets purposeful. It gets joyful. It gets peaceful. But it may not get easy. And so Paul finds himself in the middle of the storm and God sends an angel to appear for him. This is in verse 20, chapter 27. I'm just kind of giving you the cliff notes a little bit to get to what I want to say. God sends an angel and says, hey, Paul, don't worry about this storm. You're going to make it to Caesar. So he gets a word, right? And then he says this in verse, uh, chapter 27 and verse 33. says this, just before dawn, so it's at night. Sun hasn't come up yet. Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. So they haven't eaten for 14 days. They've been so overwhelmed, so distraught by this storm. And he said, now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Listen to this. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. And after he said this, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God in front of them. Then he broke it and he started eating. It cracks me up. They were all encouraged. We have no reason to believe that the rest of any of them were believers in Jesus. But Paul's act of faith encouraged them all, and they ate some food themselves. So Paul's in the middle of a storm, and he's hungry. He's got a word, and he decides to eat. This is interesting to me. Paul decided to eat. You can't just like read the Bible. You got to really read the Bible and think about it. Paul didn't decide to worship. That's what some of us would have done. We'd have been like, we're in the middle of the storm. We'd, we'd decide to worship, right? As you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch their breath. We'd been like, is it done yet? Right? Paul didn't pray. That would seem like the good thing to do, right? I mean, let's rewind a little bit to the, new, to the Gospels, right? We serve the God that in the middle of a storm stood up and said, peace be still, and the waves calmed down and the storm stopped. That would be a good moment to go, dear calm storm calming Jesus, Will you please calm this storm, right? That, that would be the good moment to like have the storm calm, but he didn't do that either. He didn't read the scripture. He didn't start quoting verses, although that's a good thing to do in the middle of it, that, that God is a God. It's good to quote some verses in him, but he ate. He had some food. He was hungry. He, he was so convinced of the word that he got that when everybody else was so stressed out that they couldn't eat, Paul was like, I'm, I'm going to eat some food. He broke some bread and he ate. And his act of faith encouraged everybody else in the boat, and they began to eat. Let me ask you this. As you pursue the call of God on your life, and inconveniences come up, 
What are you feasting on? What are you feasting on? I would propose that in the middle of your storm, God has a table spread that he wants you to feast on, but the enemy also has a table that is spread that he wants you to feast on. I kind of wonder, I don't know, if Paul maybe thought back to Psalms 23 whenever David wrote that you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I don't think it's doing anything wrong to the text to say you prepare a table before me in the middle of my storms. That either in the middle of the storm I can feast on what the enemy is wanting to give me or I can feast on what God is wanting to give me. That I can get the word from heaven and be able to break bread and eat bread. Because here's the deal. The storm may be raging around me, but the storm doesn't have to rage in me. I can be at peace in the middle of the storm because he prepares a table before me and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I I will dwell in the house. I got up this morning knowing goodness and mercy were chasing me down the road while I made my way to church. So if he's going to have goodness and mercy while I'm in the house, he will have goodness and mercy chasing me when I'm outside the house, whether it's peace or whether it's storm, goodness and mercy are following me because he's prepared a table before me. See, too many of us, we, we feast in the middle of the storms on the table the enemy is setting. The enemy is setting a table for you of doubt. And you're letting that ruminate in your mind. Ruminate means to let it just mull over, over and over. You think on it. That's why Paul said, whatever things are of good report, think on these things. Don't let those things run, run around in your mind over and over and over and over in your mind because when the enemy feeds you doubt and you're in the middle of the storm and you go, well, I'll break the bread of doubt and I begin to eat that. You know what? You begin to not believe the word of the Lord. You Stress comes up. Anxiety comes up. Fear comes up because we're feasting on doubt. We, we begin to, the, the devil wants to serve us a, a side of hopelessness. Give you an entree of doubt and a little, just have a little side of hopelessness. And you begin to believe things in your mind like, I'm not going to get through this. I'm not going to make it out of this. I'm not going to overcome this. And we begin to feast on hopelessness. In the middle of your storm, the storm outside of you will get inside of you if you feast on what the enemy's serving. How in the world did Paul, in the middle of a rocking boat, storm, people freaking out? He's like, I want to have some bread, eat, hungry. I think Paul was like, I need some nourishment. I got an assignment. This storm isn't the end of me. I may be going through it, but I'm not staying in it. And whatever's on the other side of the storm, I need some energy. I'm going to eat some carbs, y'all. I'm going to eat some carbs. He'll serve up some hopelessness. The enemy will serve up some no one's, no one's got your back. You begin to think everybody in the world's against you. Nobody likes you. Every environment you go in, you won't let anybody get close to you. You won't even let anybody help you in the storm. And then you'll complain that nobody's helping you in the storm. You keep everybody at a distance, and then you complain that everybody at the distance isn't praying for you, isn't helping you. 
You're in the middle of the storm. You quit showing up to church, and then you're like, church ain't even pray for me. How are we supposed to pray for things we don't know about? Oh, I'm just... Uh, Paul began to feast, and his act of faith encouraged everybody around him. Everybody around him was encouraged because his, his act of faith. He got the word. Reminds me of Hannah, right? Hannah was weeping, wanted a child, couldn't eat. Samuel, Eli gave her a word. What'd she do? Said she, her countenance changed and she was hungry. Physiologically, the word affected her body because she got the word. Can I tell you something? This is why it's so important for you to know your calling. It is so important for you to know your calling. Paul understood that although the storm was great, the word from God and the call was, I'm going to see Caesar. This isn't my final destination. Rome is my final destination. So if I'm in the middle of a storm and it ain't Rome, it ain't my final destination. I'm not going to stay here forever. You only get stuck there forever when you begin to feast on what the enemy is feeding you and you find yourself just roaming around, 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 around in the same thing over and over and over. But that is not God has destined for you. It is not what God has purposed for you. You got to determine what you're going to feast on. See, you... You've got to determine what kind of spirit you're going to have. Proverbs 18 says that the spirit of a man can endure sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? You've got to determine what kind of spirit you're going to have. It's, it's, it's your response. It's not anybody else's responsibility. It's your responsibility. You've got to determine what kind of spirit. I, I want to have a spirit that's just full of faith. I don't want to have a spirit of bitterness and negativity and and you've been around that. You've been around that when you get around someone. They just have a bad spirit. It's like, you're like, ah, I think I need a, I need a bath. <laughs> I need like a spiritual bath. I need like a Holy Spirit. Like, wash me off. Ugh. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to determine what kind of spirit. You have a spirit. You should be a kind, joyful spirit. Spirit of faith. Not a, you, I don't know how you can be a Christian and be mean. A friend of mine says that mean Christians suck. I don't say that. He does. I don't get it. How can you have the Holy Spirit of God in you and the Spirit is the thing that produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control? How can you have that inside of you and be mean? Like, you got to determine what kind of... I'm not downplaying what happened. I know there's some things in the past and it's like hard and it was difficult. I get all that. I get that life happens, but are you going to live back there the rest of your... You got to determine, no, I'm going to have a sweet spirit about... I've just determined. I don't care what people say about me, criticize me, don't know... I can't... Why am I going to allow the bandwidth of my mind to be filled with words from people that ain't never spent any time with me? Are you following me? I ain't going to allow those kind of voices to deter me. I'm going to keep a sweet spirit. Well, I've been hurt by the church. Well, I'm sorry. Yes. When are you going to get over it? Yes. You got it in your spirit. Yes. You got to determine what kind of spirit you're going to have. If you want to fulfill the call of God on your life, you can't allow moments in a storm to get you to have a bad spirit. Yes. You keep a sweet spirit. I'm, I'm going to keep a joyful spirit. I can't control everybody else. I can control my spirit. 
I control if I wake up and put a smile on my face and have joy. I'm just not talking about the power of positive. I'm talking about in the, with the authority of Jesus. I'm going to keep a sweet spirit. You know what I'm saying? A sweet spirit can endure a storm. But who can bear a broken spirit? A broken spirit will keep you in the storm. A sweet spirit can endure. It can endure a storm. You gotta, you, it's your responsibility, your spirit. And so they, they start eating, and the Bible goes on to tell us in Acts 27 that they find themselves, um, they, they basically run the ship into a sandbar and, and crash it. They, they break it apart. It's a wooden ship. It's not like a vessel like we'd have today. It's a wooden ship. And so they, they basically break it apart. And, um, and the soldiers decide, we're going to kill all the, all the prisoners. That's the plan. We can't contain them all, so we're going to kill them all. And Paul talks them into not doing that. It's like, hey, that's not the best idea. Um, let's let everybody swim to the shore because they've, they've come upon um, this island. And so verse uh, 1 of chapter 28 tells us this. It says, once they arrived safely on shore, it says that we found out that the island was called Malta. Somebody say Malta. Malta. And the islanders showed us unusual kindness. I think that ought to be the testimony of the church. I can't control every church. Can't really control this one. Um, influence this one. <laughs> but I think, I think when people walk in, it should be like unusual kindness. They should just encounter people that are like, have you ever met somebody that's so kind that you're like, what do you want? You know what I'm saying? And then, then there's no strings attached and you're like, you sure? Well, takes you a little bit, right? I think people ought to walk in and be like, what do they want? Be like, we don't want anything. Just unusual kindness. I think that ought to be our testimony. It says they built a fire and they welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. And Paul, he gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. So it's raining and it's cold. Paul shipwrecked, and now he's getting bitten by a snake. It's a good day, right, for Paul. Stellar moment. Paul is uh, Paul's on this island, and, and he's got the ministry of firewood. He started a firewood ministry. You know, with me? That was funnier in my head than you responded. <laughs> Won't do that next one. So, uh, he's gathering brush, and he's, he's helping build the fire. Why is he building the fire? Because it's cold, and it's raining, and everybody benefits from the heat. Are you with me? And they didn't have, not like they had houses there. They were, they were shipwrecked, 276 of them, plus soldiers, shipwrecked. So Paul's building a fire, ministering to the people, his ministry. His ministry is building the fire, right? Isn't it amazing? God can use everybody, do whatever you want, do whatever it is that God's put in your hand to do, right? At that time, Paul wasn't preaching gospel, but he's ministering to people. He's serving. The word ministry means serve. He was serving by building a fire. How many of you know sometimes you need to meet somebody's practical need before you meet their spiritual need? So Paul was just building a fire, meeting their need. And, and because he was building a fire, watch this, a viper came out and bit him. So because he was doing his ministry, he got bit. His ministry was turning the heat up, and because the heat got turned up, the viper came out and bit him. 
His ministry was turning the heat up. Can I tell you something? That when you begin to pursue the call of God on your life, it will turn the heat up on the kingdom of darkness. And when you do, don't be surprised if the vipers come out. See, I think this. I think that the enemy is more convinced of your calling than you are. I think the enemy is more convinced of your calling than you are. The reason is, is because if, if he wasn't so convinced of the call of God on your life, he wouldn't fight you so hard. And I don't think that you're as convinced as he is because if you were, you wouldn't quit so easy. Paul turned up the heat, and when he turned up the heat, the vipers came out of the fire. It was his ministry that caused the vipers to come out. I just want you to know that when you begin to turn up the heat of your ministry, that the forces of darkness will take notice, and the vipers will come out. And don't, don't, don't worry, because the vipers can't hurt you. Are you with me? The viper may be scary, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I don't live in fear. I don't live in doubt. I don't live recoiling back, but I do live aware that as I turn up the heat of my ministry, as I pursue the call of God, as I stay focused on the thing that God has for me, I am very aware that that is turning up the heat on the kingdom of darkness and the vipers will come out. Uh, you know this, you, you, you start living for God and pursuing God and, and all of a sudden criticism, all of a sudden, oh, oh you're at that church all the time now, what, you, you too good for us? You don't want to hang anymore, right? Criticism comes out, the vipers come out, they want to attach to you, oh, you holy roller now, oh, you too good, oh, you, why are you doing, you've lost your mind? You mean you're giving as well? Like serving was, you volunteering was one thing. Like that's a nice little thing to do. But now you're giving finances to, have you lost your mind? You, the vipers will come out after, I'm just telling you, and maybe you have experience, I'm just saying from my experience. You start to build anything for God and the vipers will come out to bite you and attack you. But here's what I found, that the greatest vipers aren't the ones from the outside. I found the greatest ones come from the inside. I found the greatest ones come from the inside. I found that, that you, begin to, you begin to go, okay, God, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to pursue what you have for me. I'm going to answer the call. I'm going to take these steps of faith. I'm going to do this, God. I, I don't feel equipped. I don't feel like, and all of a sudden, the viper of insecurity will come up. Now, I know y'all don't deal with that, and I know, I know that's not something, but I'm just telling you from my experience that God begins to call you. God, all right, Daniel, now I want you to open another campus. I want you to open another campus. Now I need you to go build that. Now I need you to do TV. Now I need you to go. I'll tell you, insecure. I don't know about y'all, but insecurity. God, I'm not equipped for this. God, I did this. this you got, there's somebody better that you could use, God. There's somebody that's more articulated in their words than God. God, use somebody. Y'all with me? The vipers will come from within. The, the vi Here's a viper that I think maybe we all face is, is the one of, um, uh, that, that reminds you of all your past. You think God could use you? You think God could use you? You still got a temper. How's God going to use you with that temper you got? 
Don't you remember? Do you think God could use you? All those people know who you used to be. Didn't you see you walked into church today and you saw someone you went to high school with? They knew how you act, and now you're going to act like you love God? You think you're going to be able to make a difference? The vipers will begin to remind you of everything you're not and try to get you off focus of the call of God that he has on your life. And you've got to stay focused. You've got a word. God said, Paul, you're going to Rome. Paul, you're going to Rome. So it doesn't matter if there was a viper on him or not. Paul was going to Rome. Are you with me? But here's what I'm concerned for many of us is that throughout life, we've allowed different vipers to come and attach themselves to us. And instead of doing what Paul would do, and that is shake it off, we've allowed their venom to get into our system. And so now we don't understand why things aren't going our way. And it could be because the venom of the vipers, we, instead of just shaking it off, we allowed bitterness and that venom got in us. We allowed offense to get in us. Well, somebody didn't recognize me, and somebody didn't talk to me, and somebody didn't, and they hurt my feelings. And, I, and I'm not downplaying all that. I get it. I get it's hurtful. But I'm just saying, how long are you going to allow those experiences to keep you from becoming everything that God wants you to be? How long are you going to do that? How long? I love... Hang on a second. Hang on one second, guys. I, don't, don't, don't play me off yet. No, <laughs> It says, verse 4, when the island saw the snake hanging on his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Here's what you got to know. They, they had a superstition that um, if you were really guilty of something, that justice, the spirit of justice, would make sure that you paid the penalty. And so their thought was, the shipwreck didn't kill him, so he must really be a murderer, so now the snake is going to get him. All right? And so then they said this in verse 5 and 6. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. And the people expected him to swell up suddenly or fall dead. But after waiting a long time. A pocket. I was looking for a pocket. Is he dead yet? After waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a God. You cannot live your calling by the opinion of others because one moment they will say you're a God and the next moment they will say you're a devil. You've got to live your calling according to what God has said. But it said this, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. Good now. These guys are amazing. It's fun today. I need to be jet lagged more often. I preach better, I think. Paul shook the snake off into the fire. I'm not, I'm not downplaying whatever it is that you went through. I'm just saying, how long are you going to allow it to stay attached to you? There's got to some, some moment where you shake it off. Because here's the deal. You can't negotiate with vipers. You can't explain to the vipers why you're doing what you're doing. 
You can't fight them. You can't say, well, one day I hope I just need to make everybody happy with me and understand. No, if you're going to pursue the call of God on your life, there are going to be some things in your life, some people in your life, some circumstances in your life that are not going to be happy about it because you're turning up the heat on the kingdom of darkness. And here's how Paul dealt with it. He shook the snake off back into the fire. So how do you deal with vipers? You don't negotiate with them. You just keep turning up the heat of the thing God has called you to do. Here's what I determined. I just determined early on, as we begin to grow, People would criticize and say things about us, and Tammy would be like, aren't you going to respond to them? And I'd say, no, I'm not going to respond to them. I'm going to outlast them. I'm just going to keep building and keep building and keep building and keep building the thing God called me to build. I'm going to keep pursuing the call of God. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. I'm just going to keep building what God called me to build, and I'm still here, baby. Fourteen years later, I'm still just building. Building what God called me to build, shaking them off, building the fire bigger, putting the kingdom of darkness on notice. You just got to stay focused on what God called you to build. You got to stay intent on what God's called you to do. So the Bible tells us, stay with me for a moment. The Bible tells us that after that, the chief of the whole island came and got Paul. Bring him to our house. Snakes don't kill this guy. I want to hang out with him. Telling you when you pursue God's call in your life and you stay focused, God will open doors for you that no man can open. He'll put you in seats and circles. You'll find yourself on platforms and in rooms you never thought you would be in. Come to find out, the chief, his dad, was sick. And Paul went in and laid hands on him and healed him. And when they found out that this man could heal the sick, they brought the whole island to him. All the sick on the island came to him. He laid hands on them, and the whole island was healed. Their sickness. See, Paul was on his way to Rome, but what looked like an inconvenience was a stop at Malta. But Malta would be the place of the greatest miracle in the ministry of Paul. So I just came to declare to somebody today that the inconvenience you're walking through isn't an inconvenience. It's an assignment that God has put you on. You thought you were going to Rome, and you will eventually get to Rome. But you may have to stop at Malta, because at Malta, God wants to do the greatest miracle that you've ever seen in your life. So don't push against the inconvenience. Don't despise the inconvenience. It's an assignment that God is putting you on to do what only he can do through you to receive glory and honor and praise through your life. Somebody give him praise in this house.